You're listening to the HR Happy Hour Show with hosts Steve Bowes and Trish McFarlane. Since 2009, the HR Happy Hour Show has been bringing you thought leaders, workplace and technology experts, academics, and more to take on the most important and interesting topics impacting work, human resources, technology, and the workplace. Learn more and listen to all the show archives at www.hrhappyhour.net. Welcome to the HR Happy Hour Show. My name is Steve Bose. Great to be with you today. I am recording from an undisclosed location. I'm on the road. I'm in a quality Spring Hill Suites by Marriott, and that's all I'd like to say about that. So hopefully the sound quality will uh, cooperate with us today. Super show, a special show today. Got a couple of great guests waiting in the wings. We will bring them on in one second. A couple of quick announcements. Uh, Trish McFarlane on the road as well, not able to be with us today. We should say hi to her. She'll be back with us soon. And I also want to thank, of course, our sponsor, Virgin Pulse, www.virginpulse.com, sponsoring the HR Happy Hour Show since 1977. Check them out. Everything wellness, well-being, great stuff at the Virgin Pulse website and great people over there as well. We thank them for all the support. I don't want to make any more announcements. I want to get right to the show. Some of you, many of you, some of you are probably familiar with the great work done by a group we like to call collectively the eight-man rotation. That's a group of myself uh, and four other influential, um, innovative, uh, handsome, I'm, dare I say, some of them, HR and talent professionals, active in the space, blogging, writing, speaking. We write about sports, HR, and the connection between sports and HR. I've been doing it for years. And with lots of good HR and sports stories in the news lately, I thought it'd be great to convene as many of the members of the eight-man rotation together on a special podcast to talk about these sports, HR, and workplace issues. I asked all four of the members of the eight-man rotation to come on the show. Two people had nothing better to do. They're with us today. Please welcome to the show, back to the show, first off, Chris Dunn, the HR capitalist. Chris Dunn, how are you today? Steve, I'm great. And uh, like... You know, I had other things to do. This was just really valuable for me. So I, I don't know what that says about the the members of the eight-man rotation who are not here, like a Mr. Tim Sackett, like a Mr. Matt Stalick. But I'm, I'm happy to be here. Chris, it is great to have you here. And before we start mocking the other two members who are not here, let's welcome the member who is here from the Star Conspiracy, formerly your HR guy, still my HR guy, Lance Hahn. Lance, how are you? I'm good. I'm, I'm glad I could get in on the on the mocking a little bit because unlike Chris, I didn't have better things to do. So I, I'm excited to be here and have something to do for for the next few minutes at least. It's sad. I, I wish I, I should have taken a photo of this. Maybe I will before we we share the show. If you if you could see the see, the scene here in the the Spring Hill Suites in the undisclosed location, I, I'm I'm from. It, it's 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 sad. It's sad. I'm about to go to the after the show. I'm going to go. To, I'm going to the Publix to get some dinner. So it's uh. It's great. It's it's all glamour here on the show. So, uh, <laughs> oh my goodness! It uh, guys. Are man. you going, Steve? I I have to, Steve. I have to ask. You're going public sub, are you not? I think that's the move, right? I I, I we don't have the publics where I live, but I've I've heard I've been in the publics on my travels. I I think that is the move, right? You have to go sub. That that is a hundred percent correct. Or you go Janus Winston uh, Crab Legs, maybe? <laughs> 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 uh, 
Oh, uh, nice reference. <laughs> well, it is a sports show. So, hey, guys, great stuff. That's right. We're, and let's, we'll intersperse right a few, like, burns on Tim Sackett, the, the other members of the eight-man rotation, Tim Sackett and Matt, the Professor Stalick, who couldn't be here. Matt actually had a good reason. Tim's was a little bit shaky. Uh, we'll get to them uh, in a few minutes. But I have three stories, guys, that I have curated from the world of sports and the workplace that have been in the news lately that have sports connections. And we thought we'd just talk about each one just for a few minutes, kick them around a little bit, talk about the sports and workplace connections, implications, and what, if anything, we can learn from any of this stuff. Okay, so that's that's the plan. We'll do this for 20, 25 minutes or so, and then uh, I'll get to the Publix, and, and you guys will get to back to uh, whatever it is you were meant to be doing this afternoon. So here goes story number one from the world of basketball, my favorite sport, of course, and what's been happening with the Dallas Mavericks. There's been a lot happening. There's a quick little synopsis I found from an ESPN uh, article. Uh, They're citing a Sports Illustrated story which exposed sexual misconduct in the Dallas Mavericks organization, which led to an independent investigation of the organization, led by former New Jersey Attorney General Ann Milgram and Evan Crutoy, an ex-prosecutor in the Manhattan District Attorney's Office. Here's it in a nutshell. The investigation described a corporate culture rife with misogyny and predatory sexual behavior that spanned decades in the Dallas Mavericks organization, including numerous allegations against former CEO and President Cherdema Uzuri, who left the Mavericks in 2015. Among the findings were evidence of inappropriate comments, touching, forcible kissing, and the viewing and sharing of pornographic images and videos. Guys, here's my first question. I'll throw it out there. And, and I know maybe we don't know the answer, but the Dallas Mavericks have a highly uh, popular, influential, and well-known owner, Mark Cuban, right? He's been on TV for decades himself. Where was Mark Cuban when all of this was going down in his organization? Do we have an answer? Does anyone have Well, an I mean, I, I mean, you know, he'll tell you that he wasn't aware. Right, Steve? So apparently he was cutting episodes of Shark Tank and running, you know, probably 200 other businesses. And I think what he said, what he said, like I was interested in this a couple months ago when it first broke and dug in a little bit. And he will tell you he allowed the business operation side of the franchise to really be autonomous. And he just assumed that things were taken care of there. Also saw him like when you when you kind of told me the topics, went out and stumbled upon a there's a basketball show on ESPN called The Jump that he went on. Is that Rachel Nichols, Steve? Yes. Is that correct? Yes, it is. And he goes he goes on there like after like the story broke and you know he, he suddenly became aware and uh, you know just looked like he was sick and shocked about it clearly he's still accountable for it and he should have known um i think i believe him i'll throw it to lance i think i believe him but clearly he's still accountable yeah i mean i think this is this is one of those things like they have in college about um lack of institutional control um i feel like if you don't know you probably should have known um that this should have been bubbled up through your organization somehow, that there should be a mechanism inside your organization where um, this information comes to you in some, in some form or fashion. 
and that there if if there isn't that's probably that's probably a big ding on you right um that's kind of my read on it too because it's 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 it, it i mean you know, i think he, he he wouldn't have denied it i think if he could have if it could have been pegged back to him um knowing about this at some point because uh, like any investigation should be able to figure that part out uh, i don't think he would i think he would have come out right away and just said yep i knew about it i didn't take the right action or something along those lines um but this is this is an institutional um thing and it should be it should be taken care of obviously the fact that he didn't know was is, is obviously a huge issue um so that's kind of that was kind of my read of it as well and I think like the, the thing that really like jumps out at me is this is a perfect example from a leadership perspective. You don't want like you got to have like female representation, you know, on the executive team. Right. right. And I, I don't know this for a fact, but but I'm assuming that, you know, kind of jock culture, even on like the business operations side probably not a lot of female representation, even at mid-levels, um, much less like executive levels. And it's just really a call for balance. Like you, you just can't, I mean, this is where diversity matters, yeah. right? Not only with, you know, anything on the Title VII side, but clearly with gender, that's also a part of Title VII. Diversity matters because, you, I mean, you just can't have that jock culture doing just blatantly stupid, unlawful stuff. It's just kind of insane. And I think we've all been around jock cultures enough to know kind of the flavor of this. And it's not how business is done. I don't know. What do you think, well, Steve? I mean, I think, you know, I'll jump in here really quick before Steve does. But I mean, I think, you know, the business side, even if it's not jock culture, it's, you, we, we've known, I, I mean, I've known people like in the ticket, on the ticket side, on the business side, it's not really a conducive a job to like have a family. <laughs> I mean, you're, right. you're, 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 you're busy. Right. Um, like it's, it's a very demanding, um, job no matter where you are in that business side of things. So I think there's just a challenge to, to bring women to that organization, even if you don't have that job culture. So, I mean, I think there's a real balance issue as well with that is, uh, that you have to think about when you're, when you're putting this together. Yeah. And I think, I think in, yeah, in basketball no and in all other sports, and we're going to get to this in more detail in story number two that we're going to talk about, but I think these are the kinds of businesses or organizations where, you know, hiring your buddy or hiring the guy you worked with three jobs ago or hiring the guy you went to school with like that, you know, co sports always talk about uh, coaching trees and, and, and general manager and executive trees. Right. And these guys all kind of, work together and they come up together and then they branch out to other teams. It seems very, I guess, insular maybe is the word I'd use. Right. And I, my guess would be the Mavericks and probably lots of organizations, uh, similar organizations are not really casting a really wide net when it comes to hiring folks. Right. Yeah. That'd be my guess. Right. And, um, uh, before we get into that in a little more detail, I want, I want one more question on the Maverick story, which is this, and you guys know this better. You guys have the more uh, hardcore HR investigation kinds of backgrounds that I that I don't have. But you know, in the story, I mentioned that uh, you know the former federal district prosecutor was brought in, and some other attorney, ex attorney general, was brought in, et cetera, et cetera. And, and my question is this: Can organizations, if you're caught up in this kind of a this kind of a endemic kind of uh, deep-seated set of uh, circumstances, scandal even, if you will. Can Do organizations just have to do that? Do you have to go outside to bring in investigators, outside counsel or outside experts, et cetera? Can, can anybody really self-investigate these things uh, with any credibility anymore? 
Well, the, the time to investigate the time to investigate it on your own is when you like got a random allegation in your organization in the early early days, right? That's okay. when you can be responsible for policing yep. yourself. But when Sports Illustrated, Illustrated <laughs> drops like a feature story, yeah, it's too late, right? And says, "Oh my goodness, what's going on with the Mavericks?" Then clearly, you have no rights to investigate it on your own. You have to bring outside people in. And you've got to say, do your thing, independent, like of me, Mark Cuban, the owner, like do your thing, report back, and we're going to publish it um, to the extent we can with names redacted, findings, and it's going to be critical, it's going to be horrific, but that's like the first place we've got to go. So I think you you can investigate it on your own if you actually have a mechanism to, to Lance's earlier point for people to report things. And the first time, you know like you, you get the thing in that somebody like, you know, said something inappropriate at the lowest level, that's when you investigate. And that's when you probably fire somebody a lower level just to set the stage that this is the organization. We're not going to tolerate it. Yeah. 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 I, I think, I, and I think one of the things you look to is, is um, at least in, in my past life on, on HR, like Chris said, one, one off, Okay, we we can investigate this. You start going down like sometimes you go down a rabbit hole, um, and start spiraling. And that's obviously, I mean, like when when SI, this is kind of like the explosion because also the Mavs are sort of a public interest as well. Uh, but even if you're an HR professional, I mean, you start like unraveling. Okay, there's two instances. Oh, there's three, and they're all related. Uh, okay, now it's time to bring in somebody else and somebody who could kind of have a clear head, especially if you if you recognize that. This might go up to a board level decision, you know, especially if it involves an executive, um, those sorts of things. I mean, I think it just adds a lot of credibility um, to, to the investigation if they're, they're only beholden to sort of an, uh, a correct outcome, um, you know, like, like an outsider is. Yeah, the one last hey, thing. And Steve, one more thing. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, Steve. I was just going to throw in one last thing on this Mavericks thing. The last piece of news, this did break a couple of months ago, the, the main part of this story, and two days ago. It was just released that the, the Mavericks have fired their longtime team photographer who allegedly sexually harassed former former female team employees. And apparently, according to the, the allegations, he'd been doing this for decades. He had a history of making lewd comments and propositioning women at work. And that the only reason I'm bringing that up is it, it's an interesting update to the story. But also I'm thinking, man, if, if the team photographer, just this is just some random person in the organization who's probably not all that important, is running around harassing people for decades and getting away with it, you know the, the right. problems there run really, really deep. Yeah. Yeah, sent home yeah. from China too. I might add. Yeah, yeah they were they were playing a game in China. They sent him home um, for good. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think that's that's exactly right. I mean, I think there's there's definitely a cultural issue there. It's gonna be hard for them to get over. I mean, I think honestly, um, if you're if you're a female looking for jobs in in DFW. Um, I don't think I don't think I don't think the Mavs are any time on that list, right? I mean, uh, you got to be a little bit you got to be a little bit concerned about is there anything else? Because like you said, that came out after this big report came out, and this guy's name wasn't even mentioned. In. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I mean, that's that's really interesting to me. Katie, one last take and on Steve, the Mavericks, one last and we'll thing let it from, go. go ahead. Yeah, one one last thing for me. I've told you before, like if I ever won like the Powerball lottery, et cetera, et cetera, I wanted to own the Atlanta Hawks, right? Yeah. I've awesome. told you that before. I've heard you say that. Do you have to um, It's out of my reach. Well, you have to have like a lot of disposable like okay, income, yeah. obviously, Lance. But 
Um, it's out of my reach now because the prices are getting astronomical. But I think my big point is like any business that you get into, like, you know, I just, I think we're, I think men in general have a tendency to like, just think things are going to work out. And I think it's like a call. You got to have representation from people who don't look like you. Yeah. That's gender, that's race, things like that. But like the first thing I would do, just because of the difference in judgment, the difference in perspective, first thing I would do, and I'm, I'm fortunate enough to work for like a founder at our company at Kinetics, Shannon Russo, strong, strong woman. But if I was walking into like a CEO position somewhere and I was like doing my leadership team, first thing I would do, I'd hire a really, really strong woman um, at a very high level, just because there's a worldview that really makes the organization better. Uh, does it protect it from liability? Sure. But first and foremost thing is that perspective just makes the company better. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd agree all the way on that, Chris. Uh, all right, topic number two. This was a good one. Maps thing is really interesting, but we have another topic which I really like a lot, and this is, uh, all, this is from the world of football, from the, the National Football League uh, where they play for pay, uh, by the way. And here's the, here's the gist of the story. Uh, this was posted on SportsIllustrated.com about a week or so ago. Last April, less than a week after legendary Pittsburgh Steelers owner Dan Rooney died, Pittsburgh Mayor Bill Peduto passed an executive order he had been mulling over for years. Allegheny County, of which Pittsburgh is the seat, had previously mandated that the Rooney Rule, the NFL policy that requires teams to interview minority candidates for head coaching and senior football operations jobs, must now be followed for government hirings. On April 19, 2017, Peduto announced that the city, the city who had birthed the Rooney Rule would also adopt it for its senior management personnel. Now, this happened over a year ago. I didn't know anything about it until the story hit earlier in the week. Really interesting story. And for folks who maybe don't, uh, KD, you, you you know all about this uh, Rooney Rule stuff. Maybe for folks who, who are maybe not that, still not familiar with the Rooney Rule, maybe just give listeners just 90 seconds on what, what the NFL was trying to accomplish with the Rooney Rule, and then we'll get into what, what would this look like in organizations yeah. like the city of Pittsburgh or maybe your organization. Yeah, so the, the Rooney Rule was designed to make sure that in any head coaching search, that at least one minority candidate was president or was present in any search and that you interviewed at least one minority candidate. So critics of it said, oh, you're just doing that because you, you know, you think it'll like relieve pressure. I think the people that really believe in it um, understand that through opportunity and like repetition comes like a better understanding from a candidate side of what's required to win those jobs. And I think on the employer side, in this case, the NFL, um, comes the understanding of, wow, there's some really good people out there. So that's what they were trying to accomplish with it. Because if you look at 30 NFL franchises, I don't know what the number is now, but it's been way too low for a long time. It's been like predominantly white males, obviously in those head coaching roles. So that's my slightly under 90 second description. Does that, does that break it down, Steve? Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense, right? So we need to improve the, the, the league or, and maybe the city of Pittsburgh as well makes a decision that we need to improve. We need to become more diverse, much like we've been talking about in, in the first topic as well. We need more representation from diverse um, 
constituencies uh, or, or in, in, in senior jobs and very important jobs. So here, so we'll force you, Mr. and Ms. Hiring Manager in this case, we'll force you to interview people from those groups, right? We're just going to force you to do it. And that's kind of where I wanted to go with this is that, you know, can it do, do you think, really what it's intended to do? Can something like that succeed? That simple mandate of you must interview KD, you, you're filling tech jobs in your organization or Lance, right? You're, you know, that you feel like you don't have the right representation, right, of people from different backgrounds in those jobs. Can you go to your hiring managers and mandate that they interview certain people from certain uh, groups? Will that, will, is that something we can do, we can implement and would work? I mean, I'll start. I mean, I think I think there's I mean, I think there's there's evidence that at least in the NFL, it's worked. Um, so from that same story, um, there's eight minority head coaches out of out of 32. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that matches all time peak in 2011. When the Rooney rule was implemented in 2003, there was two minority head head coaches. Um, so, I mean, like it's certainly I think I think it certainly works, at least in the, in the NFL. And I think we go back to a lot of the Mavs uh, stuff. There's a lot of, hey, we work together. And, you know, I think there's a lot of um, folks. I mean, there, there, there's a lot to undo, um, you know, from, from a lot of years of just thinking, you know, this, this, is, this is the type of coach um, that a minority candidate is versus uh, we, need, we, need, we need to way that, that looks or acts like this or that I've coached with before. So there's, there's, there's definitely some assumptions there. But I think the Rooney Rule helps, you know, sort of like you said, enlighten it. Some organizations have made a joke of it. You know, you look at like Oakland's um, uh, hire of um, what's his face? Yeah, uh, Gruden, John Gruden. Yeah. yeah, John John Gruden. <laughs> um, you know, you look at that, and they clearly did not. Uh, they they had him like shuffling a uh, uh, you know a minority uh, candidate to interview for a job that this guy certainly had already. Um, but I think a lot of organizations have taken it to heart, um, have opened their things up, and I think we, we we've seen more opportunities for it. Um, I don't know how well that translates in organizations. I think there's some interesting technology. You look at the uh, Pitch Fest winner from this year's HR Tech, uh, Blendor, right. uh, who also won the next great HR technology. Um, and they're, they're thinking of ways that technology can actually uh, help make those, those panels of, of candidates more diverse. Um, I think if you can make it a little bit of a, a trust and verify um, exercise, I think, I think there's some opportunities to sort of open some people's eyes to maybe some of the uh, unconscious biases out there, yeah. too. So I don't know if, uh, if, if any of that resonates with uh, Chris or, or, or you, Steve, but I mean, that's, that's kind of how I've, I've seen sort of the results of this sort of play out. Yeah, and I'd piggyback on what Lance said, and, and to answer your question a, a little bit differently, I think, first of all, can you do it in your organization for tech roles, et cetera, et cetera? What I, what I would tell you is I, I think you've got to be really good at sourcing. I think you'd be better be ready to go and you better have a submittal slate mm-hmm. that includes compliance with the Rooney rule. If you make people wait 30 to 60 days um, because you're looking for that candidate who checks the box on the Rooney rule, then it will never work in your company. But what I will say is this, and I've written about this a couple of times as the Rooney rule has like come out. I'm a huge fan. I think if you look at the NFL, the NFL has tons and tons of candidates, assistant coaches, coordinators. They have the candidate pool where you can get the Rooney rule done in the NFL. And if, from a sourcing perspective, if, if you can still have speed, I love the Rooney rule because I, here's what I think happens. For every 10 people that you force this on, 
you know, two are going to be say, sure, that's, that's a great idea. Let's do that. I think two are going to be like really like difficult because they're like, they're saying, you're telling me who, like I have to interview and that this is a requirement and you know, this is like quota talk, et cetera, et cetera. Right, so you right. take those four people out of it. You've got six people in the middle and I've written about this before. I think something magical happens when people have this set expectation of what the right candidate looks like. And then a candidate who doesn't look like that stereotypical candidate comes in and they're highly qualified they're highly competent, et cetera, et cetera. If you surprise that person that's thinking that the stereotypical candidate has to look like this, if, if you surprise that person and that person gets in the mix and shows all their credibility, all their expertise, whether they get the job or not, you've advanced like this, really the topic of inclusion and that the right candidate can come from a lot of different places. And it's still valuable for that candidate too. Because even if he or she doesn't get the job the first time around, they're now like top of mind for that hiring organization moving forward. So, Steve, like I'm a huge fan of the Rooney rule. I just think it works because I know if you get to those middle six that are kind of fence setters about whether this is a good thing or not, you're going to put good candidates via the Rooney rule in front of them. And that advances like the whole cause across time. I'm just a huge believer in that. I've seen it inside companies. Yeah, Katie, that's a great uh, breakdown of it too. And, and you kind of get to what even some of the, the detractors of the actual Rooney rule and the actual NFL sometimes say where it's like in that John Gruden hiring that Lance brought up, right? They, they mm-hmm. brought in, I think, just one minority candidate. I do not remember who it was for kind of a kind of a, like a show interview when it, it, where it probably really wasn't a real genuine interview. That person probably really didn't have a genuine shot at the job. And the Raiders got fined, by the way, for not complying with the Rooney rule because of their actions. But, you know, the, we'll even still hear talk about, well, it's just good experience for these candidates. As you said, Kitty, they get in front of the right people. They get in front of the owners of the teams or the, or the general managers of the teams. They get their name out there. They get a little more polish on their presentation. They get feedback, hopefully, on it as well that maybe will set them up a little bit better for the next the next time around uh, if they're going for a job, even if they don't get the job in the first place. So I'm a, I'm a fan as well. I was really and, interested. And I, I've reached out to the woman, too, I, uh, who's running this for the city of Pittsburgh, too. I am going to try to get her on the show. I, she's not gotten back to me yet, but we are, we're, 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 we're efforting. We are yeah. efforting her. Hey, and imagine, <laughs> imagine this, Steve. So, so the Raiders wanted John Gruden. And they're run by the son of Al Davis, so it's all an inside job. But I, you know, I don't know the names, but imagine that there's a general manager there that they did the Rooney Rule. He met a candidate. I could Google it and figure out like who that was. Let's say he ends up with the Jacksonville Jaguars three years from now, right? After they buy out Gruden and they clean like the entire house. The team moves to Las Vegas. Like he, if he had a great, yeah, if he had a great like three hours or four hours with that candidate. That candidate is now in the mix, and that GM talks to other people. Maybe that candidate gets a prime coordinator job working for Belichick You know, through that. It's just like it's win-win, and I would tell you that people would think, you know, they would grumble about having to do it. Um, you surprise a lot of those people in corporate America. So I just love the way it was positioned, and I just like I think those numbers out of every 10 – I think there's magic in those numbers, and I love the fact the city of Pittsburgh took a took a page from the Steelers and 
who can complain about that in Pittsburgh? I'm sure they do, but it's the Steelers, right? Yeah, you stole from the best. And there's a ton of great stats in the they're, article. They're, they're wasting their towels right now. Yeah. yeah. There's a ton of great stats about what Pittsburgh's after. They got some big challenges there too, not unlike many other large organizations or municipalities or any kind of institution really. That's you know, and, and they're they're making some progress. It's not it's not without challenge for sure too. So if we do if we do get her on the show, that would be a pretty interesting conversation. Guys, let me do a quick reset and we'll hit our last What's topic the, real quick. Go ahead, Lance. You have you have a comment? Do we need to make fun of Tim again? No, no, I was I was <laughs> I know, I know. We can't. We'll get there. We'll get there. Now, I was just gonna say, you know, I think I think one of the big things too is I think extending that Rooney rule or or something along those lines to those coordinator roles, especially maybe those those up, upper level coordinator right. roles, is really important too because uh, I think that's one thing that actually the city of Pittsburgh is is, is doing right is is you know I think looking at those as sort of gateways because the coordinator, I mean, you're not you're not elevating too many folks. Um, uh, you know, straight into head, head coach jobs. They're getting experience as as coordinators and 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 kind of taking that lead, sort of almost, um, you know, assistant assistant coach. Right. Uh, you know, associate associate head coach is like how they do it in the in the NBA. Um, that sort of role where they're just kind of getting primed for for that and, and primed for that role. So I think that's almost as as important as as sort of doing it for those for those top roles. Yeah, I, I did want to move off the topic, but Lance, that is a great point. In the city of Pittsburgh example too, we're getting into hey, if you want to hire more uh, police captains, right, uh, from diverse backgrounds, that's the goal. Well, that's hard to do if you're not bringing in more diverse people, you know, through, through the police academy in the first place, right, and, and working and bringing them along in their careers over a period of years, right? It, it's definitely a long-term play. It's a pipeline-building issue, too, and, yeah, Pittsburgh's really looking to address that, and I think you make a good point as well that organizations of all kinds really have to as well. Hey, quick reset. Uh, this is the HR Happy Hour Show. My name's Steve Bose. We are talking sports and HR with the eight-man rotation crew. Chris Dunn, Lance Hahn with me today. Tim Sackett not with us. He's busy writing yet another blog post that ends in an exclamation point, which I love. He's so excited about the things he's blogging about. So shout out to Tim. He's very uh, excited. <laughs> five ways to improve your candidates interviewing today. Exclamation. Yeah, it's I, total I, I, SEO I, I, title. It's a total SEO title play too. Um, I don't know if the ex, maybe the exclamation point helps with SEO, Steve. Maybe that's be. Tim's that secret, secret sauce. That must be the secret. I've never caught on. You know, if every, every title if every title ends at exclamation point, you really got to add two to really make it stand out. I mean, yeah, if, right. If you're I'm looking for the double. Yeah, right. If I'm excited about all of these, are are any of them special? Would be the exactly. would be your point, he's, correct, Lance? Yeah, he he's about yeah. three months away from going to emojis <laughs> in the titles. Like, I don't know if WordPress or whatever he uses allows that, but I sense that's coming. Are we, are we sure he hasn't done that yet? That's <laughs> that's the real question. Maybe yes. Uh, <laughs> hey, our last topic, also from the world of football, but uh, college football is where this. Uh, this story got its origins, and uh, I'm, I'm fascinated by this. And I'll, I'll just read a quick excerpt from a, a, a piece that ran on TechCrunch a couple of weeks ago. Though some of the biggest names in tech are wholly focused on getting consumers to strap into virtual reality or VR, there's been an increasing amount of movement in companies adopting virtual reality to help train employees. Striver, one of the VR training startups leading this movement, announced that they've pulled in $16 million in new funding in a round led by blah, 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 ventures. Who cares? The company has raised $21 million to date. The startup, which initially began as a project to help the Stanford football team train in VR, has made some major strides with big partnerships of late. They've partnered with Walmart, for example, last year 
to train employees going through their worker training centers. I had Derek Belch, who's the founder of Striver, on the show a few months ago. It's a really fascinating story, guys. Derek was uh, uh, kind of a, what do you call it, like a manager assistant, a graduate assistant on the Stanford football team. And, you know, Stanford's legendary business school and tech school as well. And so Derek was working on um, this technology with some co with other folks he was working on it with. And they were using it you know, at Stanford to help train the football players. And when he told me on the show that the football coach, um, his name, Lance, you know, you're a Pac-10 guy. Who's the football head coach at Stanford? David Shaw. Yes, yeah. David Shaw told him, hey, this is great. And it's awesome what it's doing for our quarterbacks. But there's a bigger play here. You, you need to go find that. The, the play here is corporate America. And, and, he, and it was an interesting story that the, the football coach was kind of the impetus for um, uh, Derek and his team to, to try to get this kind of technology out to the corporate world. And even the the Walmart deal, which was kind of Striver made their name getting into Walmart, was because uh, Striver had uh, expanded to a number of college football programs that were using their technology for, for training and practice uh, of, of the football players, including the University of Arkansas. And um, one of the trustees at the University of Arkansas is some big shot at Walmart, right? And so that's, that was the connection there, right? And so... Uh, really interesting how this technology is moving from the football field to corporate America. So I, I don't know how much you guys uh, have d dug into this at all, or thought about the technology at all. But I mean, this to me is like the first, I mean, like learning and development in the corporate side, even though there's been a ton of technology thrown at it over the years, this feels like to me the only kind of technology innovation that has the potential to really change how people learn things in the workplace. I'd love for you guys to, Lance, you're a tech guy. Well, what do you think about this? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, I really love what Striver's doing. Um, I mean, I, I, I mean, I think VR can be a big part of it. I, I'm actually a little bit more bullish on um, augmented reality or AR, um, sort of like overlaying, um, you know, virtual elements over like sort of the real world. Um, I think there's a lot of potential there too, as well. But I mean, I think you know, basically having these sort of, I mean, anything that you guys think you can immerse people into the experience is going to be um, really positive because I think you know, I, I think. You know, learning, corporate learning in particular, is so right for disruption on 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 this front because um, so much of it is 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 not that it's 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 usually antithetical to um, that experience of like you know looking at um, you know looking at a screen with somebody talking as they're going through PowerPoint slides. Um, you know, I, I mean, I don't think anything's better than that. But I mean, I think like certainly VR, AR. Um, I, I'm really super excited about um, seeing seeing technologies like this kind of come to play. By um, and, and improving out value. Um, hey, are you guys still there? Because yeah. I just sold I just sold all my stocks because surely this is a sign that the the bubble <laughs> is bursting <laughs> next month. So so you guys you guys Fun. are telling me you you guys are telling me that like we can't like actually like measure performance for at least half the positions in corporate America like in an accurate fashion, we can't give feedback, but somehow like a college kid from Stanford is going to run in with the goggles and we're like going to be saved and it's just going to be progressive. I was like, I feel like I'm like <laughs> 70 years old here. Like get, get off my lawn. Telling yeah. you guys to get off my, get off my yard, get off my lawn. But I'm like, Oh, come on, man. This, this is vapor. And I, and I respect Lance because he's more of a learning guy than I am. But I'm like, really? This is this is where we're at. Like, this is the next big spend. This is the next big booth. 
at Steve's <laughs> HR Tech Show. Let's hope. Let's please. Come on. <laughs> let's, let's cross our fingers for Steve's sake. Um, you know, no, I mean, for, for me, it's, I don't think it's the next big thing. I mean, I think it's, I, I mean, I think it's, it's one of many tools that, that, could be, that could be implemented. And especially, I mean, I think as you're sort of looking at ways to scale training, especially, we know, I mean, the best, best sort of training sort of one-on-one, in the flow of work, um, if we could find ways of like sort of scaling that experience, I think anything at this point is, is, um, good. I mean, good innovative spend, um, whether that like translates into being implemented across however many thousands of Walmarts there are across the country and in a big wide scale way is another thing to prove out. But I mean, at least from a, I'm interested in it, certainly from that perspective. So, so Steve, how is Walmart using it? So, like, because that's just going to get me like more hostile towards towards this this idea. <laughs> the, the, the really, I, I don't know all the use cases, but I remember one that Derek told me about, which was I think really fascinating, and it kind of speaks to what these kinds of applications are good at. It, it's it's for those kinds of scenarios where you want people to be familiar with and understand them and know how to react, etc., and, and be aware of, but they're just really difficult to replicate in the real world, either it's too costly, perhaps too dangerous, it's too, it's maybe just too complex. And so the the big use case that he talked about, and the one that's really gripping when you, when you see it, apparently, is the uh, opening up the doors to the Walmart on Black Friday, or whenever they do that on Thanksgiving, maybe it's on Thanksgiving now, they open the doors for the oh, Walmart, yeah. and a hundred shoppers or more, the mob. Simulating getting free Yeah, it's, 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 <laughs> so they've been able to develop a pretty good uh, virtual reality experience for, for trainees um, to help immerse them in that experience. Right now, they're obviously not actually getting run over, but... So- um, but so Steve, <laughs> so I got to jump in. And I got to say that that is a great big sizzle, right? That that's a big sizzle because we're preparing those employees to deal with what I'm going to guess is 0.02 percent of their year. Um, here's my big sizzle. Okay, so you've got the you've got the goggles on, and you know that I'm hostile to the idea because I'm just referring to it <laughs> as goggles, right? So goggles. You've got the goggles on. Yeah. You got the goggles on and like I've got a week's worth of training. Like so for two hours a day, um, you're gonna do all of the other stuff, then you're gonna come in and get the goggles on, right? And the first two days it was awesome. We had like Black Friday, we had um, you know, maybe an escalation where you were the hero. Right. And there's a lot of good stuff. We had like a poke Pokemon like thing. Because like Lance wants to like layer some things into like the real world, whatever. Day three comes, and the kid puts on the goggles. Um, again, I'm 70, right? Because I'm calling them kids. <laughs> so the the kid puts on the goggles, and uh, everything's going great for about like 10 minutes. They've got a two-hour like segment, and then things go into kind of a taupe or a black and white thing. And their their field of vision narrows a little bit, and they say they're like, "Hey, something's wrong with the um, goggles." It's like, "No, that's just the depression you feel after this new job feel like wears off." So, what are you going to do now, Ricky? <laughs> so yeah, so you're definitely now, we ta- got, now, now we're training. Now yeah, we're down to the real stuff. Now we've got it. Now we've got it. But the the the, the time the types of applications right for for this kind of technology are, are you know. They're they're pretty diverse. In fact, we had one of our um, technology demonstrations at HR Tech a couple of weeks ago involved an element of, of some virtual reality uh, training 
kind of uh, material in there. And it involved uh, some maintenance work or something like that. I think the actual use case that they did was, but this was before I talked them out of the use case that they wanted to show, which I wouldn't let them show, which was first responder training. Uh, so they developed uh, applications here uh, to train first responders. And what they showed me in, in the demo that they wanted to do at HR Tech was just really like raw and kind of unsettling, quite frankly. And uh, I said, no, we can't really sure. show that. But I could see how when we're trying to train first responders that this could be a really relevant and applicable kind of set of tools and technologies to do that in a more, um, as close as we can get to the real thing, because we can't really do the real thing, right? We can't, we can't, we can't stage Black Fridays and, and throw, throw Ricky in front of those doors, right, at the training center and, and hope he doesn't get run over, right? So, hey, I don't know, Chris, uh, we'll, we'll maybe, maybe, maybe we need to get the goggles on you. Yeah. I think we put it on. And let's see if he does one exclamation point or two exclamation points <laughs> on his post about it. That's what I'm waiting for. That's the real review. Yeah, yeah. Hey, all right. So th- th- we've been going for a while, guys. Last question on this or just in general, you know, is there anything else I thought I was thinking about this virtual reality went from the college football field to the Walmart to, you know, maybe to KD's uh, training in, in leadership development practice soon. I don't know. But is there any other innovation from sports that we can think of right now that, hey, that's the one this is, we should or just a practice or an approach? Is there some I mean, beyond money box, we've talked about that for 10 years. Is there is there anything else we can think of that, hey, my, my team does this or my sport does this was and we should do more of this in corporate america can you can you think of anything how about uh, the uh, how about the court how about the court tracking with all the cameras we can see how many times bob has gone to the water cooler to talk to carol i like that um, and just like map that out you know find the efficiencies like you know what you you are doing a lot of routes but um <laughs> the best route that you could actually take is through the coffee room um you know past the counting um i don't know i don't know to my mind i like it i like it I think the the big one for me is just that like doing something dramatically different like wins for a short period of time, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So if if you're in like certain segment and everybody does it a certain way because they, they know that's the way it needs to be done, you spend money and do it differently and you get results for a period of time until people figure out how to deal with you as as a competitor. Best best example I can give you is the wildcat from football, where you you know, that that was the hype five, six years ago, right? Stamp it to a running back and we're just going to simplify this. And then everybody figured out how to deal with it and it was dead. But it's like you do something dramatically different, you get attention, um, much like the virtual reality, I might add. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah I, I mean, I, I think, I, I think you, you, you look at the, a sort of a similar thing with which, which um, like the, the Vegas Golden Knights, they, they did this in hockey where, I mean, obviously their expansion team, they're kind of getting the drags of the league, but they kind of right. found a, a, a really good goalie and um, some aggressive forwards, and they knew that that could win in today's NF- in a- NHL. Uh, well, a couple of years from now, people are going to adjust to that strategy. They're going to they're going to scoop up all the good goalies, scoop up all the good forwards, and they're going to have to you know you have to come up with something else. But I mean, it's kind of a constant pre- uh, uh, kind of process right there. Yeah, yeah. Right. I'll, I'll give you one for me, and then we'll, we'll we'll wrap it up. Which is, don't be don't be afraid of the big dog in your market, right? So like. Everybody's afraid of Amazon, right? And, and, and we don't want to compete with them and they get scared of them or whether it's Microsoft or Facebook or whomever it is, right? The big behemoths. And, and I feel like so many organizations are just afraid to want to even think about competing with them. But they think about what's going on in basketball the last couple of years, right? Where 
Golden State Warriors have been far and away the best team over the last four years. Won three titles, could maybe could have won four in a row. And Houston had decided we're just going to go after them. We're gonna, everything we do is going to be designed around beating them. We want to beat them, and that's it. And, and we're not going to shy away from it. Well, like every other team in the league is trying to figure out, not every other team, but half the league is trying to figure out how to get as bad as possible to lose as many games as possible to so as to avoid trying to compete with the best teams. Houston decided we're going right after them. Now it may not work out. They may not win, right. but at least I respected it. Like, and, and, you know, they gave golden state a great run for their money last year and, and maybe could have won that series if not for some injuries and a little bit of bad luck. So I like that idea. Don't, don't be afraid. Don't, don't always just back down just because you think yeah. you can't win. So that's it from me. That's I like it. that. That was inspirational. And when Maybe Tim Sackett can, can do a and, blog post about that with an exclamation point uh, after it. And, and when in <laughs> doubt, like, you know, go after the big dog. When in doubt, don't forget, there's good training available. Um, all you need is some goggles and a, and a Black Friday <laughs> motif. I'm going to send you that link to the show I did with Derek Belch, Chris. you got to listen to it. He's really, I know. Really and I'm, I'm, giving Derek, I'm giving Derek a hard time. I know that, I know there's merit there. I, I you know, well, I'm, I guess I'm a little jaded. All right, guys, this has been super fun. I didn't, but, but, I, go ahead. Go ahead, Chris. Last word. You got it? I what didn't think it? the Wildcat could work either, and it did. Yeah, so, it, it did for a while. There you have it. <laughs> it did for 10 minutes. I love it. Chris Dunn, I heard something. I heard a rumor. I, I saw a blog post on The Capitalist this re, uh, recently. Uh, what's this I hear about a little book coming out? What can you tell us about that? Yeah, I got a book. Got a book coming out in April, published by Sherms, called "The Nine Faces of HR," making the uh, the somewhat um, out there claim that I can divide the world of HR into nine distinct personas. Nice. Like so it's based it. on a keynote that I've done off and on for four to five years. And uh, think about a nine box grid. You've got the uh, you've got three levels: early career, mid career, senior level, and then the other axis is ability to innovate, drive change, and add value. So we're gonna have some fun with it. And yeah, I had to shut down the blog so I can get this uh, completely wrapped up in the next thirty days. Doing those eight yeah. best. I just said it. Doing, just had to shut it down, Stevie. Doing those. I just had to shut it down. Doing those movie quotes. When is, when is the, doing those movie quotes blog posts has to take a lot out of you. It has to be a lot of. That has to tax a lot of mental. It's cycles, fatiguing, right? Steve. Yeah. It's it's fatiguing. You know these these sports like references just aren't going to create themselves, no. as you well know, no. through your prep prepping us for this show. I mean, I, I, I sweat over <laughs> when, ranking when, Halloween candies, you know, and, and Tom Cruise movies. It's, 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 it's grinding. So I appreciate that. Well, we'll look forward to that, Chris. I do, I do, That's have, a question. I do have a question for, for Chris. When yes. is the goggles, goggles version of your book coming out? That's the only way I read anything or experience anything anymore. So that's, well, that's I think what the I'm technology, looking. Lance, it's a great question. I think the technology has advanced to the point where, you know, paper version comes out in April I'm sure by like August or September, we can have the goggles version out. Come on. It's going to be Perfect. great. Can't wait. Right. We'll get on Can't that. Wait. Lance Hahn, anything from you? Uh, plugs, events, not uh, any books, you, yeah. doing any barbecuing? Yeah. What can, what can you tell us? <laughs> uh, no, I'm drinking, I'm drinking a San Francisco beer and, and having a great time here. Uh, nothing, nothing to pitch this time, but um, you know, maybe a book, maybe a book in the future. That'd be great. Yeah. Silicon Valley Lance. I love it, man. He's out there. He's living the life. We can be, only be, be safe on the ferry. 
um, very safely, Lance, after that beer. All right. Well, this, guys, I appreciate you taking some time today. This has been awesome fun. Uh, We'll probably run this on the weekend because no one will care about any of this, so we'll just bury it probably, but I'll let you know. And uh, I do want to thank thank Chris and Lance for taking the time. I want to not thank uh, Matt and Tim for not joining us, but um, Matt had a good reason. Tim did not. Finally, I also, again, thank Virgin Pulse, www.virginpulse.com, uh, for all their help and support. And, all right, that's it. From the Spring Hill Suites in the undisclosed location, let's just say it's in the southeast, and we'll leave it at that. My name's Steve Bose. This has been the HR Happy Hour Show. We will see you next time, and bye for now. Thanks for listening to the HR Happy Hour Show your source for information and conversation on work, the workplace, technology, and more. Learn more and listen to all the show archives at www.hrhappyhour.net.